We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is your team ready to win a dynasty championship in 2023? How can you tell if the team is, you know, I guess pre-championship mode in that window or out of that window when we talk about the championship window in dynasty and perpetual reloading? We get some questions in where we see teams that are either right in there that are ready to go or teams that maybe just need to start that rebuilding process or refreshing process at that particular point in time with veterans. We're going to look at some questions today submitted by listeners one of them coming in, though, I think is going to be very interesting, Sean, to discuss because it is players who are probably putting this team at the very, very early side of that window. And that can be something that can be challenging for drafters or managers to you know, wait and have that patience rather than try and continue to pull the trigger and maybe add age to their team rather than stick with the youth that will grow in value. And the team then, of course, at this point in time may look like it's not as veteran ready for that championship run but when we get to week seven week eight i think a lot of the players that we're going to talk about on this roster in just a moment will be in that conversation so as we start things out sean dynasty focus today on road of his ot how are we doing good good and i'm excited to do mailbag episode of the reanimators here column you and i haven't made any trades recently but i'm excited because we're getting close Getting closer to training camp, as soon as we start to get buzz on different players, you'll have some more movement. You'll have guys uh, rising. You may have some players who are falling not on anything that they did, but simply because other players have to move down if you have the risers. That'll really kind of grease the wheels for a lot of these dynasty trades. Larry Andrews and I were able to make a move this last week on an RV Triflex team where we had 31 players. So we've got to get down by 11 guys. And the offer was for Rondell Moore, Justin Ross for a 2024 second. We went ahead and made that move in part because the team that we were working with, we made some trades with them before that worked nicely for both sides. They are kind of in this uncertain time period where perhaps their future second round pick will be toward the top. We don't 
necessarily know that. We'd like the second round picks all the way through. When we talk about the perpetual reloading and you think about even leagues like the RV Triflex where you can't necessarily keep a huge number of guys if you have names that are interesting. So this trade actually came through with either Rondell Moore or Wondell Robinson. One of the things we're thinking there on Robinson is that he probably has a better sort of medium term ceiling even if he starts slowly this year there's also the possibility that he will start on physically unable to perform if we're able to move him to an ir spot for a few weeks that actually gives us an extra guy so we decided to make a move where we have rondell moore exiting instead it's still a team that has, I believe, JSN as the wide receiver seven or wide receiver eight. And so one of the things that we always want to be thinking of is the players in terms of building the perfect roster and the players in terms of building as many different kinds of currency as possible. And so if you have guys who are exciting, guys with wide ranges of outcome, guys who are electric athletically, those players, and then guys who are young, even if in a case of someone like a Rondell Moore, you have concerns about what the production has been with Wondell Robinson, you have these injury concerns, but these guys, because they're so exciting and yet also have some warts, they're going to be a little bit easier to move in some ways than players who, no player represents one path, but we can tend to think of certain guys a little bit more that way. And then you've got to find the exact perfect fit, the perfect price, the perfect opposite trade piece to make it go and so you trade it and you turn it into a pick and now suddenly these picks are also very very good currency so you're trying to have as much in the way of tradable pieces as you possibly can so excited for late july for august there gonna be so many great moves just start on this by looking at some of the teams that listeners have and this one as you mentioned column is a great question because it references something we don't necessarily talk about a lot but is certainly an element of dynasty which is what do you do when you actually have a pretty good team but you're dealing with a situation where one of the other managers has maybe not just a dynasty but you're looking at that roster and you're thinking man that's a little bit more like an empire yeah, or a, a juggernaut, uh, but an empire is a nice way to, to think of it. But when we look at this, this question coming Sean, from Steve. He says, long-time listener, first-time caller, question for your next Dynasty segment. So we tried to squeeze it in here. He's bought into the perpetual reload mentality. He thinks he's drafted or crafted a good roster, but not a great roster. He mentions that it may not just be good enough based on how good that is top team that you mentioned sean is i'm not going to go through that team because most people are probably in a league where they have a clear you know a duo or a trio of teams where they're like they're probably the team that's really contending this year hopefully your team is in that mix but it may be a case that you're looking across the room at another team and, and thinking how do i kind of get past that team in 2023 or maybe it's thinking beyond 2024 and the actual title of this email was reading the room so he's trying to read the room and about that top team how can he get past it but the one part i want to highlight is i mentioned the team at the start he mentions that space jam sean as a kid was one of one of my favorite films obviously it's been redone i haven't watched the the reboot yet maybe that's one for our future kind of uh, recommendations i don't know if it'll squeeze in to those shows but he mentions that his team is like a looney tune squad and space jam and i can think of that 
in a multitude of ways but i think this team could turn into the the kind of alien side of that where it becomes the dynamic team because it is quarterbacked by joe burrow sam howell running backs are travis Etienne, jamar gibbs james cook tajay spears tyler algier wide receivers t higgins drake london Traylon Burks, uh, Jordan Addison, Rashid Bateman, Marvin Mims, Rondell Moore, and then Wandell Robinson. Tight ends are Goddard, Laporta, and McBride. So, Sean, before we get into the questions that are set up by uh, Steve that he has sent in here, I think this is a team where, looking at it now on paper, people might think that you know these are maybe too young to compete at this moment in time, but. As I mentioned with the Space Jam reference, again, this is a team that could really morph into a juggernaut, juggernaut of its own come week eight, week nine, as these players and their, some of them obviously going into year three, um, but you're looking at players like Drake Lumpton, Traylon Burks, you have the rookies in there, you have Marvin Mims, you mentioned Wendell Robinson. You know, if he if he's back to full fitness by that point, you have a nice tight end core, although it is quite young in the, the second and third option with McBride and Laporta, both players we absolutely love and then you have dallas goddard there as well so this team i think is really loaded but people looking at it now might think that it is a little bit underpowered without thinking of you know how how these guys are going to emerge into stars as the season progresses here and you noted that this team has six really key pieces who are second year players and so a lot of the competitive outlook is going to depend on how big a jump those guys take. And I mean, one of the things that we've been discussing on some of the recent shows written about on the site, that the second year QBs also can take the big jump. So I think that this team in a lot of ways, and this may be not that different than a variety of OT teams that are out there, but it's going to depend to an extent on what Sam Howell is able to do. Because if he gives you points in that super flex position, then suddenly you're probably very competitive. This also looks like a team that I would have with you or with Blair or with Ben in the RV Triflex format. And one of the things that we saw happen last year is that 2022 was a very veteran-oriented season where a lot of those guys who are arguably on their last legs put and I say last legs, not in terms of being NFL players, but being superstars, where those guys came through. Or being dynasty assets at that top tier level. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, players like Stephon Diggs and Devontae Adams, they're still being drafted very early this season. They will probably have relatively good campaigns. You can put someone like a Cooper Cup in there if he's healthy. And yet... You don't know where the cliff is going to be. The teams that are very veteran-oriented have quite a bit of risk. And I think about the team that is you know, sort of the unstoppable team in this particular league. One of the issues that Steve is dealing with is that team not only is very strong, but it has a lot of 2024 first-round picks. And so you feel in some ways like you might fall further behind if you don't aggressively match some of the things that that team is doing from a draft assets perspective. And yet we always have to consider the downside of our opponents as well. And I do see uh, several running backs with a lot of injury risk on the team that is potentially the favorite. I do see some veteran scoring risk. That team has Kyle Pitts. We know that there are some risk with the Atlanta offense, 
I don't know that the gap is that large. It's definitely a situation where I would want to go into the season and see what's going to happen across that first month. Having said that, this is a perfect team in terms of the youth that it represents to continue to perpetual reload. And so if you have people come out, and I was kind of talking about Rondell and Wondell before we started here, and I mean, if you can move those guys and get more value, if you can spread the value into multiple pieces, whether it's a player and a pick, or several picks, continue to do those things all the way through. And then see what happens. My experience in these dynasty leagues is that the unstoppable team very frequently doesn't win, number one. And that's true even sometimes when it's your own team, which can be very frustrating. And then number two, because the NFL is so injury-oriented, which is very frustrating and sad, but it's also unavoidable. That part's not going to change. You do have these teams who look unstoppable fall off very quickly. And I think back to some of my own leagues, and I popped into a league that Ryan McDowell runs when he offered me an orphan in one of these. And I mean, that's always fun to do. So I'm putting the team together. It looks like a clear playoff team. And then I'm looking at Ryan's team. And I'm like, this team is like eight players who would be top two round startup guys. And if Ryan has eight of the best 24 players in this league, can we ever beat him? And two years later, his team was in the middle of the pack. Now, that's a situation where Ryan is one of the best, if not the best, dynasty player in the world. You think about Ryan, you think about Curtis Patrick as sort of the godfathers of dynasty, even when you're in leagues with those guys. And obviously, Ryan was able to make some moves to then reload and, and get back in the mix. But the players who look unstoppable and unbeatable even those players have pretty small windows in many cases and so you want to put your team in position to be in the semifinals every single season and then benefit from an injury benefit from a game where your team just goes off and scores 200 points you know scores the most points that it has all season a game where some of the starters for that other team get hurt in game again we're not rooting for players to get hurt we would prefer just to outscore them, but there are so many different scenarios in which you can win with an inferior team if you put yourself in the semis every season, but that would be my focus with this team. But then again, obviously always with the caveat that if you see ways to make your team better, don't pass on those opportunities. You know, just keep reloading, keep reloading. This team with the four 2024 firsts has obviously done that as they've put together their dynasty you want to match them play by play, blow by blow, as you go through the next couple of years in this league. But I mean, Colum, I love this squad. I, I don't think there's any reason to believe that it couldn't win the title. I actually think that if you get some scoring from Sam Howell, that the quarterback position is better on Steve's team. I mean, Joe Burrow has a chance to light it up any given week. I mean, Travis Etienne, Jamar Gibbs, you don't know what those guys are going to do. We could come back and have this discussion next summer, and those players are both going off, you know, say in a best ball, maybe not in a super flex dynasty startup, but those two guys could be first round picks. Right? There is so much potential here when you think about what's Drake London going to do in year two? What's Traylon Burks going to do in year two? I mean, what might we see from Jordan Addison in year one? So I love the squad. I would take it 
and try and do both things. The perfect thing and the thing we want to emphasize about perpetual or reloaded teams is that they should set you up to compete now and to have so many assets that other managers want that you can reload on the fly and continue to make the little moves necessary to put this team in position to compete for that first round buy. That first round buy is the thing that we want in as many of our leagues as possible every single season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A couple of things there, Sean, to, to link back in on. And, you know, when we look at this roster and we mentioned some of the differences, and you'll see this across leagues. I named out the roster, obviously, at the start, but... You know, adding just one more slightly veteran wide receiver to that wide receiver room makes things look a huge amount different. And again, it is that perception and it is what we already know from the past from what players did last year versus what players are going to do this year. So players who obviously produced last year are probably going to be worth more than players that have yet to produce as rookies or maybe didn't do what we thought they were going to do uh, in their opening season in the NFL. But when we look at the first I'll do this as a quick question. I think this team doesn't need to consider this at all. It's just when reading the room and your specific leagues, um, you know, uh, should it go the way of the, and he has in quotation marks, honorable tank selling assets to reload for the future. I think this team is like, as I mentioned at the start, it's at the very, very opening of that window. The window is, is about to open in week one for this roster. So I don't think it needs to consider anything about honorably tanking or selling off assets here at this point. Well, and I mean, hopefully this unabashed plug will still fit nicely with the conversation we're having. But this is one of the reasons why I love the RV Triflex Leagues, because you have to compete for the 101. You have to win the backdraw to get the number one pick in next year's draft. And that creates a dynamic that is competitive and creates a dynamic where if you are building these perpetual reload types of teams and you miss which is possible right if you have young guys and you have the wide range of outcomes it's possible that you go through a season where you just don't quite get enough production early enough to be where you want to be 
But if you miss and you have the seventh best team, then yeah, you don't get the buy in the first round of the toilet bowl or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but you have a team that could win and get the one-on-one. And I have a couple of teams where I really like that element. Monty Fawn and I have a team that we've been working on for a while that is just crazy loaded everywhere except for QB. And my thought on it is that if things break the right way, it could get the number one seed. If they break the wrong way, then we can win Caleb Williams. So it's the number one seed or the number one pick. It's, it's one of them too. Yeah. And I mean, obviously there are plenty of other scenarios, but when you're set up that way, it's very, very nice. And uh, well, Monty and I are ready to win. Monty is one of the best fantasy managers in in fantasy sports. And so, I mean, we want to go ahead and win the title, but I there's this tiny little part of me that's like, just one more year, and then we could stretch it out with six, seven titles in the next decade. I think that you can make moves that set you up to do both things with the style of team that Steve has and with the style of team that a lot of the other listeners have to where, especially early, you don't have to go complete tank. And like he says, honorable tank, you're not like not starting your guys, but you're moving pieces so that your roster is just not strong enough to really score in a way that gets you up to that top level. I do think it's a little bit more challenging in normal leagues where you're going to have pure tankers and you're going to have just bad, bad rosters where you move out of those first two, three, four picks. And then we're kind of into this mix where it really just doesn't make more sense to go ahead and make the push, see where you get. If you miss the playoffs, fine. But once you get into that sort of five through eight, five through 10 type of range, I mean, are we that confident that the tier breaks are going to matter enough that you would give up on a season that you might win? I think you shouldn't. One of the things about a reloaded team is that it often arrives a year earlier than you expect. Now, again, 2022 wasn't great for that. I didn't have a lot of teams arrive a year earlier last year. In 2021, I had a bunch of teams that I thought were a year or two away that got there early, competed and won titles. And so we want to not overreact to one season, but I mean, I don't think that this team can really tank in a way that is effective enough to make it worth it. And I'm guessing that a lot of the other listeners are in the same boat. I mean, this is a team here where if Rashad Bateman doesn't like go away completely, I mean, if his foot turns out to actually be okay, I mean, this is a title team. And so this is a team that can arrive a year early. And I think that's a good way of putting it when I was talking about a team that was pre their championship window, but right. This team is, is ready to arrive They're They're on the train and they're about to come to the, the podium. Yeah, I think so too. So, and then the other question that is asked is how much should we let the power of other league mates dictate whether we try to compete? Colin, I kind of went into my feelings on that and how I do see teams that look really well set collapse. And it doesn't happen, I don't think, as often to these perpetual reload teams because you have so much depth, but it can happen to you as well. What is your experience in these dynasty leagues where and, and one of the things that can be frustrating is you know you'll have maybe a mix of managers maybe there are two or three participants who aren't quite as strong maybe they get taken advantage of by you know one of the better teams you get some unbalanced trades the rich get richer and you get a little bit frustrated and you're thinking not necessarily leave the league you know it's not a 
take my ball and go home kind of thing. But you are thinking, well, I'm going to have to do some things to match this. What's your experience with, as you mentioned, juggernauts and how they kind of move through a two, three, four-year process and kind of what you do as a result? I think a couple of things that we mentioned already really fit into this is, you know, the team that is often that juggernaut, whether it's true injury, whether it's true, you know, bad luck for how players perform, whether it is players just fall off at the end of a, an age cliff or, you know, the, the production never gets to the level that we kind of perceive that it will be at that point. I do think that as the season goes along, with the goal being into the playoffs, obviously you want to get the, the buy if that option is available to you, but that's not always going to be the case that you can get that. But when you get into the actual playoff situation, there's so many years, Sean, with experience in playing Dynasty that, as you mentioned, the best roster doesn't always make it true based on what happens in that performance in those playoff weeks. So the focus a lot of the time is to be hopefully the best team, but to be consistently in those top four teams that are, are going to get you into the playoff chase and then see how it plays out from there if you are in that situation where somebody just looks to be you know, so far ahead of everyone else. But when you go through the entire season and then you go through the playoffs, it is like going to be many, many years where that team just things don't break their way. The other way that I have, and that's why I was kind of so trying to, you, you come up again with the arriving early part of it, but the, the way that I think you can really change in that is by being super young and to have those players that haven't yet hit because when they all hit together at the same time, that can be a juggernaut in itself that can over overcome that team that has been at the top. They may be hopefully hopefully Sean they're they're listening to these shows and they are perpetually reloading, but quite a bit of time you will see those rosters that are really in that mode or kind of they, they have those veteran players and they, they will age out eventually if they aren't consistently making those those trades. But I think that getting younger is the way that uh, you can target that a little, you know, to try and try and shake things up. And I mentioned this um, on, on one of our recent non-NFL uh, shows. We did a, the Q&A, and I, I talked about a player that used to play for Arsenal. But interestingly, this team is something that reminds me a bit of what they're doing at the moment. They are competing with what will be a juggernaut in Manchester City, who have this year won the three major tournaments that they are in. They are consistently uh, winning the top league in England. They're up there and in Europe at all times. And, and what Arsenal have gone and done to compete with that is to pretty much draft, they can't draft players in the NFL, but in this equivalent, they have bought players who are in their early 20s who would be like, you know, pre-prime at that point. And they are kind of ascending at the same time together. That was something that when I read this roster kind of reminded me a lot of. And I do think that having all those players entering that window together um, while it may not look like the the juggernaut now, it, it can turn into that. And then, obviously, if those players like a Drake London on this particular roster or a Trail on Works, Travis Etienne, like this season of Travis Etienne has a, a good season that's going to really rehab value. Jameer Gibbs is coming in. James Cook is with the this roster, obviously with the Buffalo Bills. We have Sam Howell. Those players all ascending at the one time can, you know, in, in 12 months we could be looking at the, the second team here as the actual juggernaut in this league. I love to hear the English football non-NFL conversation. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. That's a a great metaphor for what we're looking at with some of these dynasty teams. Also love it after having finished the season three of Ted Lasso recently. Colin, 
we just released a non-football show where we did do some TV talk. We recorded that a while back before you went on vacation. I have subsequently finished. I have to take back the original comments. <laughs> season two of Ted Lasso, a little bit dark and down. Season three, absolutely fantastic. So enjoyed that. That's probably not news to anyone as listeners will be all over how good that show is. One of the things that we want to keep in mind too with these juggernauts is just how tricky the spot they're in actually is because once you get a 28 29 year old wide receiver who is a star he's lost a lot of the trade value because other managers know that the window for that guy not necessarily for the whole team but for that guy is about to slam shut sometime soon they're not going to get the value out of the trade that they would need to move him and yet if you keep all of these guys, the team is going to age out. But you can't move a guy for less than he's actually worked to you if you have a championship roster. And so those teams are almost forced to get old. They can, There's almost that uh, emotional attachment to actually winning the championship that they're afraid to, kind of, as we mentioned, do the perpetual reload and let that veteran player go to keep the window open. It's almost like this is my last chance. I have to, I have to get that ring this year. Yeah, and, and it's really a, a very different mindset because a perpetually loaded team doesn't have a lot of those decisions to make. You may get so powerful that you occasionally trade for some guys who are discounted because you have so many assets that you have some flexibility. But the teams that are going window and then rebuild, window and then rebuild, they're forced to take bad values and or to let their teams get old because you can't rebuild too early because you've committed to a window so two very different dynamics i think that's again one of the things that makes dynasty so fun and obviously the thing of being able to build your own team having your guys through multiple years but tactically dynasty very very interesting colin we have another question here from ian who won the ot ticket into the scott fishbowl that obviously really cool we're rooting for everyone who is competing and drafting in the fishbowl right now he has an interesting team where early when we're doing the reanimators shared his team with us since then has made 28 trades in four months in four months ian an absolute star this is what we love to see i mean his team now after all those trades is pretty ridiculous we're not going to go through every single part of it needless to say it looks unstoppable and yet there are some interesting moves here and he's asking about a move where he had originally had the 101, moved out of it because he got great offer to do some things to make the team better, and then is moving back to the 102 to select Bijan Robinson with the expectation that the 101 will be Anthony Richardson. That trade was maybe the one of the 28 that he suggests could be a little bit of an issue. That was the 102 for the 104, the 107, and IUK. I probably would agree with him that that is an overpay and that it's going to be tough for that trade to pan out. But again, that's the benefit of putting together a team with so much depth that even after you give up 107 and IUK on top of just swapping a, swapping a couple of spots, I mean, you can do it because you have so much firepower. And yet the question then is what happens if Robinson doesn't, fall to the 102 
Do you select Richardson? Do you try and move back for Gibbs? Colin, we're going to look at this from a more global perspective, not necessarily worrying about this, this particular roster, but a lot of rookie drafts happen right after the draft. There are going to be a lot of leagues that have their rookie drafts in August as we head into the actual season. Certainly you have startups that are going on right now where this is a relevant question in terms of player evaluation, young guys early on, and you can translate these particular picks into trades. So leagues that have already happened, you have these guys as opposed to pick numbers, but you're moving for different players here. How would you approach this where you didn't have the guy that you kind of had set yourself up and set your heart on at the 102? What are you doing now? I think that's the part is, you know, you, you will have players that you really want to get, but I think leveraging yourself into a situation where it's going to be that player disappointment um, can be a little bit of a tricky kind of mental uh, gymnastics to play with yourself over that point in time. Now, you mentioned we're not going to talk about with this team. This team really, just to answer Ian's question, can do whatever he wants because it is loaded at running back, it's loaded at wide receiver, loaded at uh, quarterback. So it can really pivot to whichever of these options that he wants personally and obviously the trade has been made i would rather see what falls to me at the 104 and the 107 than go up for the 102 but if it is a case that you're hoping that Bijan is there he mentions in this particular scenario that the the other team needs a quarterback so you'd be expecting richardson probably to go there but if it's not a case and and Bijan goes with the 101 i think you're into a situation then where i would be lean into one of the the non qb positions either gibbs or or potentially jsn um at that particular point over richardson on a team like this who really doesn't need a quarterback the the tricky dynamic i have sometimes in super flex is you know if you really don't need that quarterback you can obviously take him now and try and trade him in season but i think i would rather go with the the non-quarterback positions with the the players that he has here but the the long longevity as they they may give you in in your dynasty league yeah i think that's a good way to explain it the qb just has so much value embedded in the position and in the case of richardson in the profile we do have the first little bit of negative news sort of separate from the potential profile issues where the colts owner has come out and said he needs to play better or he's not going to be able to start for us at the beginning of the season. Uh, there's a lot on him. I don't know that he's going to be a big force in 2023. Now, again, you've got an incredibly wide range of outcomes with Richardson, maybe the widest of any player in a long, long time. So if he hit in a huge way, I don't think anyone would be surprised. And yet, even for teams that are as strong as the team that Ian has, we go right back to our previous conversation where some guys can miss, some players can get hurt. If you can continue to build depth at all of these positions that can fill into the regular flex, and then depending on your league can even work nicely in the super flex spot. I think that that's the way to do it, to make sure that you're maximizing the redundancy in a powerful starting lineup so I would go that way. If you miss on Robinson, you immediately trying to turn that pick back into as much total value as possible. One of the things that we have witnessed in most leagues, definitely not all, but that Richardson is so valued that you can move him for 
three, four pieces that do different things for your roster. Yeah, and the, that's another question. Thanks to Ian for sitting that in. We do wish him well in the Scott Fishbowl. It has traditionally shown that winning your way in through the road of his OT contest has been a, a good run. I think over the last couple of years, they've, they've finished higher than myself and yourself. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, good luck to Ian with that. The last question we're going to head on today is one that comes in from Jono, and he's talking a little bit about his team and Jahan Dodson. But it really boils down to rather than going into the team specifics it is a team who you know I, I think could benefit from an additional wide receiver but this is during his draft process i'm going to open this up to you for anyone whose draft has already happened as well so Jahan dodson would you trade him if you had the 108 in a current rookie draft or a 2024 first next season so they're two separate questions but basically would you value him with your current rankings at a 2024 first or above or is that too rich for one of our favorite potential rookie breakouts here in, in 2023 yeah this is tough because it does depend a little bit on who you think you're going to be able to get there if jordan addison or dalton kincaid are going to go at the 107 and put quentin johnston down to 108 then it'd be pretty tempting because at that point you have a receiver with a better collegiate profile than Dotson and attached for the long term to Justin Herbert I think even if it hurts you in 2023 and it probably should then you're set a little bit better for the long term I think that in this particular roster it's strong enough at tight end that I wouldn't really be looking at Kincaid and when you're thinking about Addison as the long-term number two now they could be concentrated enough in the passing game there where jefferson addison and hawkinson all get the volume they need of course you know one of their guys who finished a little bit hot last year and is now generating buzz kj osborne immediately starts to pull in a little bit of a different direction there but when it's not a matter of being the number two because a number two wide receiver can put up a ton of points and addison was a guy who was just so productive early on as a collegiate player we love to see that but when you're dealing with justin jefferson as the alpha in your offense i mean he's just going to take so much volume every single season and they're also approaching this sort of cliff with kirk cousins where suddenly you are doing the reality version of hopefully reloading but perhaps rebuilding more questions there so even though addison probably the preferred guy pre-draft and the more expensive player in best ball i think that johnston is the player you would like for dots in here but this team has howl and in many cases i don't think it's purely a matter of dotson and how having their 2023 seasons tied together to where they're going to sink or swim at the same time but there are going to be some elements where if howell comes out shows that arm is able to make the decisions that they need if he stays as the starter you're going to unlock more upside for dotson and vice versa where if dotson does what he claims he can do right he goes out there and not only scores touchdowns we saw him as a dynamic player in the red zone last year and yet you would have preferred for him to be a better guy in terms of targets per route if he makes that jump and how actually is surrounded by 
elite weapons. If he's got two stars plus an underneath threat in Curtis Samuel, it's a lot harder for him to miss. And so you might like to have those two guys together at least in the short term over the first month of 2023. I guess this question has some similarities to the first question of can we wait and see on this and then still make a move? How much is Dotson really going to lose with a weak first month, especially if you're moving him for either a 2024 first round pick, which doesn't have value to help a team win right now. But also if you're going to move him for another player with Johnston or Addison, either of whom could start a little bit slowly, you might like to see what you have before you make the trade. Not there. Thanks, Jono, for sending in that. But I always love getting those questions in for topics and ideas. And for example, the first question today, we we had a, a good fun discussion over that. So thanks to everyone who submitted those questions. If you want to send any in, you can send them my way on Twitter at OverTimeIreland or email them in at rotavizradio at gmail.com. We'll try and squeeze them on to some future shows. Lots of stuff in the pipelines over the, the coming months and weeks. Looking forward to sharing those with you. If you are also looking to sign up over at rotaviz.com, you can use the promo code RVRADIO2023 at checkout to get yourself a 10% discount. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at OverTimeIreland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. And until we are back... Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.